Meet Bob Olson. Bob's the author of Answers About the Afterlife and the host of Afterlife TV. A private investigator who began investigating life after death in 1999, Bob now records his interviews with experts, authors, and people who've had extraordinary experiences so he can share it all with you. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Talking to Spirit with your host, James Von Prague. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome again to Talking to Spirit, and thank you for sharing the space once again with me. Today, we have a very, very special show for you. I brought to you um, a man who's done a lot of work in life after death investigation, and uh, he's one of the best in the field that I've ever met, i got to tell you. And I'm going to get right to it because Bob Olson is, uh, just came out with a new book called Answers About the Afterlife. And I read the book, and I did a blurb for the book, and it's probably the best, most, most in-depth book uh, of any questions people have about life after death. So, Bob, are you with us? I am, James. Thank you. <laughs> I'm excited about being here. Thank you. Uh, thanks for being with us, Bob. And for people who don't know you, Bob, but they should know you, Bob Olson. Um, Bob Olson, you have uh, several different websites, bestpsychicmediums.com, where you actually test mediums and psychics to be on that site, correct? That's correct. And you have yep, to be and the, there. <laughs> yeah, and then after many years of you finally finding me and testing me, I got on there. Thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then AfterlifeTV.com. And uh, Bob, and you just came out with a wonderful book, Answers About the Afterlife, which I've been waiting for for years. Great, great book. And I just wanted to share it with all the listeners here. Tell, tell us a little bit about your background, Bob. Where did you come from as far as your uh, – how did you get interested in this? And tell us the beginnings. You know, I was uh, uh, working as a private investigator. Um, I had been a private investigator for years, and uh, what happened was in 1997, my father died, and mm -hmm. uh, I was in my mid-30s. Uh, he died mm -hmm. fairly young. He was 64, and uh, and this, even though I had experienced loved ones who had passed before that, for some reason, his passing made me question really what happens when we die. And had you ever had any, any interest in this before your dad passed away, ever questioned it, or were you, you a skeptic or a believer? Or where did you stand on it? You know, I didn't have any interest. I would think I was definitely a skeptic about all sorts of things that relate to, you know, what I've investigated now. I, I really, but it wasn't so much, I wasn't like one of those closed-minded skeptics. I just, I had never seen any evidence to believe, mm -hmm. and so I didn't believe. And I was just, and I'm still kind of that way until I, until I experience something myself or see enough evidence to, to, that's compelling enough for me to believe in it, I don't. And then I just don't believe in anything at all. So, you know, that's and, sort of and after I your did. dad, after your dad passed away, did he come to you in a sign or did you have any, what was your first connection with him? Well, you know, honestly, the first thing that happened that made me really wonder was while he was passing, um, me and my wife, Melissa, and my sister and my mother were holding his hand as he was taking his last breaths. And, of course, he was unconscious at the time. But uh, he, he was definitely, you could hear all the monitors in the hospital, all the beeping was getting mm -hmm. slower and slower and slower. And we mm -hmm. could tell he was about to go. As this was happening, my mother sort of uh, started sobbing, un, you know, uncontrollably. And and when she did, all the beeping started to rise again, as if, as if he was coming back into his body, trying to hang on. 
Mm. And she recognized this, and she stopped herself, and she got control of herself. But then again, it happened. Mm. And two more times, every time she started sobbing again, all his vital signs ended up going up again. And that was my first clue. Like, wow. hey, something's going on here mm-hmm. uh, that I'm not aware of. And I was, that's really what made me curious about it. Mm. And, then, and then after he actually passed, did you go seek a medium out, or did your dad come to you and some kind of signs and he how did, did that he came develop? To me, he came to me in a sign. Um, you know, the first thing, I, it was two main things that happened to me. The first thing was uh, both myself and other family members uh, started to smell the aroma uh, of lilacs. And, mm, and mm-hmm. my father wasn't a, a big flower guy, but if there was one flower he liked, it was lilacs. And so we had planted lilacs near his grave. And, you know, so it was very prominent in our minds. And, and all of a sudden, you know, windows closed, no lilac bushes around. We would smell mm-hmm. the strong scent of lilacs. Or mm-hmm. while I was driving down the road, the same thing would happen. And it, none of it had made any sense. And so we assumed, again, not having any experience in this field, but still assumed oh, that must be Dad saying hello. Mm-hmm. And, and I would acknowledge him. And then the mm-hmm. only other thing that happened one time was, and this was soon after his passing, was um, my radio went nuts. Um, and this was in, this is this is back in the late 90s. I had one of those old radios where you would turn the knob and the dial, the needle would go across, you know, right. and that's, well, the needle started moving and I wasn't moving it and it was going from station to station and I grabbed the knob to stop it and I tried turning it, the knob had no effect and it wow. was just going from station to station to station. Wow. And I finally acknowledged, I, I, I thought of my father for whatever reason, I thought, oh my goodness. And, and as soon as I said, you know, Oh, that's you, Dad. It stopped. And so it's a way it of coming through to again. you. Way yeah, of coming it, through to you, yeah. Yeah, and, and so that's, you know, it was those kinds of things that really got me wondering. And so what I decided to do, because I had been working as a private investigator for years, I decided to use my skills as a private eye to start investigating the afterlife and see if there was more to it. Mm. Wow. Wow, that's great. And how did you go about that? I mean, how do you go about being a private eye and a detective and very kind of left brain, analytical, critical thinking yeah. to this world of the right brain, re- receiving sensitivity, uh, dead things. How do you get into that world? And, and what did your cohorts, what did your, your coworkers think of that? And your, and your wife, Melissa, think of that? Oh, well, Melissa, you know, Melissa was always very open to all of this stuff. So, you know, where I was the skeptic, she was sort of the believer, if you, you might call it. Like, she never questioned any of it. And, of course, we had different upbringings, but... Um, and that was probably why. But uh, and other people, I just didn't really tell too many people about what I was doing. I sort of kept it to myself. Because in those and, days, you really couldn't do that. I mean, those days, like when I was first coming out in this world, it's like no one really was around that you could talk to about life after death all. and communication and so forth. That's right. And even, the, you know, the, the main books that we think of as sort of those foundation books, you know, like You're Talking to Heaven, just right. wasn't even out yet. And so I... I didn't know what I was doing, and I, so I started going to, to psychics and tarot readers and astrologers. I didn't, nobody that I knew knew what a medium was yet, and wow. most people didn't. And so for two years, I was going, searching, and I found, from my perspective, I found absolutely no evidence for two years. Um, until I finally, someone suggested a medium, and I said, what's a medium? And they told me, and then once I had a reading with a medium... I was able to gather evidence, you know, evidential messages that 
the medium, who was a stranger to me, could not possibly know. And so it was mm-hmm. from that point on, which was 1999, that I finally said, ah, now I know which direction to go. It's amazing, and and that's, I mean the book is an incredible book. Answers about the afterlife, Bob Olson, and it's a, it's really your journey and all the questions that you asked. And uh, you know I've been doing this work now thirty years, and all of the the points that you make in this book, the questions that you ask in this book, every single person asks the exact same questions. You know what determines how and when we die? What is when does the spirit leave the body? How do we know when they're around us? The signs that they give. I mean it's a pretty thorough book. I got to tell you, I know it took many years to write this book. Yeah. It did. I mean, you know, first of all, I thought about it for years, but it, it took me three and a half years to write it. And and but what was interesting is in the early years, like early 2000, 2001, 2002, I actually had time in my life where I could people could email me a question because uh, I, I would write about my experiences and I'd put them online and, and people would find out about me and they'd write questions to me. And I would actually spend, you know, an hour answering their question. And I, I would email it back to them. And then my answer then spawned like two or three more questions. Yeah. And so now they're emailing me back with new questions. And, and, and this is the way it would go. And so this would happen whether I was talking to people in conversation or, or what. It's like I give them an answer and there was more questions that would follow because of my answer. And so after 15 years of this, I was able to write this book because I knew that every time I answered one question, I knew what the next questions would be right. in my head. So right. I always included those. It, I mean, it's so <laughs> thorough. It really is. I mean, I, like I said, it's the most thorough book I've read on this. And it's like an encyclopedia of the afterlife, you know, what happens. And, and, and a question I have for you, and everybody should definitely please read this book to, to educate yourself because it's really well done. Um, a question I have, when did you start researching mediums and, and using mediums? I know you have this, the websites you have. Um, which are really incredible research, uh, incredible websites, Afterlife TV, Best Psychic Directory, Best Psychic Mediums, it's all on the Internet. And you have a list of how many mediums would you say on your on your one page there, Best or Psychic, yeah. psychic Mediums, well, I should say? On bestpsychicmediums.com, I, I created that actually in 2002. I'd had another site that I was just writing about my favorite experiences. And, you know, at that time, when I, I was testing mediums uh, f- for my own research, you know, I was mm-hmm. I, it wasn't I wasn't doing it for the public. I was doing it for my own research. So I was I would you know meet a whole bunch of mediums and I would test them in different ways to see what was possible and how they um, conflicted and 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 then you know how they did things the same. And I was very very curious about why some things were different, some things were the same, and I would analyze things in that way. I would even like take some of my case files as a private investigator that very few people knew you know, what was going mm-hmm. on, but if, if mm-hmm. there was someone who had died in relation to one of those cases, I would then use those cases to test the mediums and see what they could come up with, and I was amazed at how many details they knew about the case that nobody mm-hmm. else knew about except me and a couple other people, you right. know? Wow, and that's great. so this is sort of how it started. By uh, by 2002, um, which was just a couple of years into it, I had t- tested a lot of mediums, and I was just writing about my favorite experiences and mm-hmm. the best readings I was getting. And I knew there needed to be a place for it, and so that's mm-hmm. how best psychic mediums got started. You know, and and when you're, let's, I'm going to say testing because you do test them. What is the criteria that you look for for a medium that you would say, okay, this person is legitimate, this person really knows their stuff, and, and what do you look for when you're testing a medium for your site? It's a really an important question. 
Yeah, it, it is an important question, and you know, it's interesting because obviously it's changed over the years. Because when I first started, you know, I was I was a beginner, you know, like anybody right. else, you know, right. <laughs> and yeah. I didn't know. But once you start, once you start getting a lot of readings from a lot of different mediums, now it's one of those things you can see, and uh, you can see the difference. You can see who's good and who's not so good. Um, and one of the things I recognize is there's some people who have a real great natural ability, mm-hmm. um, and but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to give you great readings, but they certainly have a leg up on some of the other people. And then there are people who maybe don't have as great a natural ability, but they have been trained really well. Mm-hmm. And they've been trained by real credible teachers, other mediums who are teachers. And that training sometimes would make them better than the people who had the natural abilities without any training. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that I noticed was people who had had a lot of experience the experience really added to uh, how good the reading was going to be as well. And then if you found somebody with all those things, the next right. great natural ability, a lot of experience, and good training, wow, you could really found a, pow- a powerful reading, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, when, I was, when I was testing people, mainly I was looking for evidence, you know? And, you know, I was looking to see how much evidence would come through. And I love, and this is, you know, this is just typical evidential mediumship, but when the medium starts giving you that kind of evidence, which is, you know, they identify the person, you know, even if it's just a first name, you usually know who it is. Sometimes you'll get both, but, um, and they give you dates around that person. So, you know, that, you know, something happened in April. If they were born in April, you go, okay, now I think I know who that is. And then they tell you maybe what the person looked like, what their personality was like, uh, how they died. Um, and, and you, and, you know, maybe what the career was, uh, while living and they start telling you all these things and you go, okay, now I know who this is. And then later in the reading, if they start to give you some more non-evidential messages, like, you know, I love you and I'm proud of you and I'm watching over you. And, uh, you know, those types of messages, that's okay because they've already identified that person. Right. But that's the message. Looking, mm-hmm. Yeah. They, it, 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 which is great. But yeah, I it has to be that part of the, it. So I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just said that has to be part of the message is to bring the upliftment of the person as well, of course. That, exactly. So I was looking for the most, the people who give me the most compelling messages at the beginning. Um, I wasn't, a lot of people count the hits and misses, right? This is mm-hmm. a hit, this is a miss. And so many people focuses, uh, focused on the misses. And they say, well, there was a lot of misses, so, you know, they can't be real. And I didn't focus on the misses. I focused on the hits. And I focused on the, the hits that had the most compelling evidence. And if these were things that came from a stranger who knew nothing about me or right. my loved one, right. then how else did they get that information, right? Right, right. I have a quick question for you. What's the difference when you're testing these people? Let's say, what's the difference between a psychic and a medium? Because many people blur the lines. And I know yeah. nowadays out there, it gets me a little upset because there were two very distinct differences. And But what, what do you think as far as, and what do you think people calling psychic mediums, what, what's your take on all that? Because they're two just well, different things, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, a lot of people still, a lot of people say psychic medium, and and so I, you know, in my book, uh, Answers About the Afterlife, I still, I still call it psychic medium, but I keep reminding everybody, but nowadays people are just calling them a medium, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but that's, but eventually that's just going to phase out, and, and you're either going to call them a medium or a psychic. Well, because it's um, still very distinctively different. I mean, the psychic energy, you're dealing with the energy, and kind of on a lower level in that, you know, events, you can see the past, present, future reading energy. 
But with the medium, you really are tapping into frequencies which are beyond the human's band. And that's really the difference, isn't it? The mediumship, the connection with spirit. It is. And to me, you know, you go to a psychic uh, for information. To me, the way I think a psychic works best is that they can confirm information that we already know is true at our gut level, right? Right. Our own intuition is telling us. They get to confirm that for us, which helps us to uh, trust our own intuition, to trust our own inner wisdom. With a medium, uh, yeah, they're communicating with spirit. And, and so, you know, a lot of us don't have that ability. We, we're all intuitive, but a lot of us haven't found a way to communicate with people in spirit. And that, you know, of course, helps the people who are grieving and helps us learn about life after death in a way that is so profound. And so sacred that you, you know, I haven't really found any other way that, that does it the way a medium can do it during a reading. Yeah, no, I agree. Of course. <laughs> of course. And, and you find writing this book that you wrote that this was um, obviously your journey. And that yeah. did you find after you wrote this book that you were, everything was solved for you? This was the, your journey. You answered the questions you wanted to, but are there more? Is there some more questions you want to answer now that you've, read, you've written this book and it's pretty thorough? Anything left unsaid, do you think? You know, I, I feel like, you know, when I was writing the book, I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to write this, and people can just pick the question they want, and then they can read that. And then I realized as I was writing it, oh, my God, you know, there's a chronology to these, and people would be best to start from the beginning and read it all the way through, because you learn uh, on levels, you know. Yeah. So when you get to the end, and I'm talking about, you know, what happens to people who have taken their own life, you know, yeah. if you don't understand the foundation of the earlier stuff, then that answer will be a little bit more difficult for you. And right. um, but for me personally, I mean, that's the way it kind of worked. Yeah, I learned the very basic stuff at the beginning, and then over the years, I would I would learn something new. I would, you know, my investigation went from mediums into other experiences. So I would have a past life regression, and I would uh, and I would and near death experiences are right about really well as well. Well, Past thank lives, you. reincarnation you write about in the book. And it's so thorough, this book. Well, I've interviewed so many people. I've had so many experiences like past life regressions, like life between lives regressions. You yep. know, I've tried meditation. I've tried, you know, spirit writing or inspired writing. I've, you know, I've tried to experience anything that I could and things that I can't, like a near-death experience. I would then interview those people, including people who have had dream, uh, dream visitations or deathbed visions or shared death experiences. All these things are in there because if I couldn't experience it myself, I would talk to not just one, but lots of people who have had those experiences. And, right. and then I would give my conclusions based on, you know, all those, all those interviews that I did, you know, not just one person's experience. And, and you cover so many. How many questions would you say are in this book? Because the way you format the book, it's all questions that uh, the pretty general questions people ask me all the time. Uh, yeah. What's the difference between suicide and murder? What happens after a suicide? Um, if I'm married to somebody, do I meet them in the afterlife, even though I've married somebody else on the, in the physical world? I mean, you've answered so many. How many questions do you think are, did you answer in this book? Well, there's 150 actual questions, you know. Wow. And then wow. what I realized was, you know, there are questions within the questions, you know. And or I should say there's, yeah, I mean, there's questions that are answered within the questions. So certainly, you know, it's, it's a little bit exponential in that way, but there's 150 actual questions that are asked and then that I answer. And very well. And, and let me ask you, is there a favorite part of the book for you? <laughs> That's a tough one. 
I know it's well, your baby. You know, I, <laughs> the second half of the book is my favorite because it starts to get into more the more in depth stuff. So when I when I start talking about suicide and murder and stuff like that, uh, if you can understand my answers to those questions, and I hope you can, because I spent so much time trying to articulate them. No, you did so a great that, job for for okay. really anybody, and not just the thing. What I love about it, it comes from a detective background, so there's an investigative type of uh, background here. But it's not written by somebody who's in this work, who, who's a medium or a psychic or a healer. It's written by somebody kind of from the outside looking in with the background that you have. So you really, you've crossed your T's and dotted your I's. And like I said, it's probably one of the best books I've ever read on life after death and spirit communication and, and soul journeys and, and conditions of life. And yeah, it's pretty good, I must say. I think it's going to be a part two, Bob. What's that? <laughs> I have a feeling there's going to be a part two here. There yeah, should there probably be. will. Yeah, that's yeah, right. The, yeah. There should be, yeah. So yeah. Um, it's it's a really great book. Everybody's called uh, Answers About the Afterlife, Bob Olson. You can get on Amazon, right, Bob? It's on Amazon right now. That's right, Amazon. And, uh, it's on Barnes & Noble, but on Amazon you get the paperback or the Kindle. So okay. you know, a lot of people like the Kindle version. And um, I would just love the, the callers. We have callers uh, in the second segment. We'll talk to callers who might have some questions about the afterlife. How was that? Would you be willing to take some questions, oh, Bob? And to. We can take yeah. it from your point of view and my point of view and, and answer them. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. If anybody, <laughs> if anybody's looking for the website, I'm sorry I didn't mention it. So you just use my name, Bob Olson. Yeah, Bob Olson. B o b o l s o n dot com. Bob Olson. But I'd love to talk to people. That'd be great. Yeah, and just see your perspective. There's a lot of people calling in about suicide, reincarnation, and that'd be great. What was the hardest part about writing this book? Um, you know, the hardest part was. That I had to, uh, you know, there's some, knowing that people would skip around, because, you know, right. not everybody's going to read it, I right. knew that I was going to have to repeat some things. So, so some things would have to be repetitive, because if someone just read the answer about one question, I wanted to make sure they got the whole answer. And I didn't want to give half answers, assuming they read something else. So the hard part was not being too repetitive, mm-hmm. but also making sure to give the full answer and give it. And give it in such a way that, yeah, people would understand it, not not getting too ahead ahead of anybody. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's some pretty deep subjects here. And, and well, one of the ones I love the question that you ask is when when is you know uh, when does death happen? When does the soul leave the body? Yeah. And when, what do you think on that? What do I think about that? Yes. When does death happen? Because I know that's one of the questions you have in here. Or when does yeah, our spirit I, leave our body at death? That's the yeah, question. Well, you what, know, that's interesting. I mean, I, th- I think the soul gets to choose. You know, I think I, I actually think even, we even get to choose. But um, I always make a I always make a I have to make the discrepancy between death and dying. You know what I mean? So, you know, death is when we actually leave our bodies. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, let's just say it's if a tragic accident or whatever. So many and this I've heard this from uh, people in spirit who communicated through mediums or people who have had near death experiences. Uh, even people have had past lives and and learned information about their death from there. That a lot of times we'll just leave our body long before the accident, before the plane Very crash, true. before the car crash, that sort of thing. Do you uh, do you think things are predestined, or you think free will gets involved, or are there such things? I think uh, I talk a lot in the book about potential. So I think there are certain things that are predestined. We know who our parents are going to be. Probably know what our DNA is going to be like, what we'll look like, that sort of a thing. And then there are potentials where we're born with a certain potential, and it's our free will then that gets to choose which which side of that potential is going to go. Like for me, I went through a period in my life where I had a deep depression and I had suicidal 
uh, ideation, they call it, mm. deep thoughts, you know, strong thoughts of taking my own life. Mm. And uh, so I was born with the potential to, to, for, of suicide, for suicide. Now, there's mm-hmm. lots of people who would never consider that in their life, right? Just mm-hmm. never. It just never it would never enter their mind. And I was the kind of person who had thoughts, a lot of thoughts over my life about taking my own life. So I was born with that potential. So we're born with a lot of potentials, and it's that our free will gets to choose which side of that potential we'll land on. And those potentials, would you say, come from past life experiences as well? I do. You know, I think, I think it's something that the soul wants to experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think, you know, we come into this lifetime and it's like, you know, the soul wants to experience either side of that. So like, you mm-hmm. know, so my soul wants to experience having those thought, thoughts of taking my life and maybe not choosing it and living a mm-hmm. life, living my life through. Or if it, it takes, if I took my own life, I think from a soul perspective, even though there's great compassion there, my soul would be okay with that because that would be an experience maybe it's never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And it's all about you know, experience here. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it has, and it wants me to do it differently this time. You know, there's just so many possibilities. Right. And we come back with a lot of possibilities to, to act on, to live on. Very, very true. Yeah. So everyone, if you're callers, would you like to ask Bob a question about the afterlife? Uh, we're not going to be doing readings, but we're definitely going to talk to Bob about more about the afterlife when we come back. So just call on in, and uh, we will answer your question. We'll through as many phone calls as we can. So we'll be right back. Stay for part two. Welcome to Talking to Spirit with your host, James Von Prague. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the second segment. We're having a wonderful conversation with Bob Olson, a private investigator of the afterlife, and talking about his new book, Answers About the Afterlife, which I think everybody should read. It should be the Bible for everyone. So many questions answered. And um, Bob has agreed to give callers a book. Everyone that we go to on the phones, he will give a book to you, which is nice. So just... Stay online, and uh, when the producers there, we'll get your number. Um, but, so call in if you have questions for Bob. The first question we're going to go to, uh, we have line eight, which is Cindy from from Canada. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Hi James. Cindy. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Good. I thought your question was very intriguing. So would you like to give it to Bob? Yeah. Um, Ever since my daughter was small, um, around three or four, she would start saying, like, we were sitting on the couch and just kind of watching TV or something. She'd she'd ask me, um, Mommy, are we safe and sound? And um, that's not how I usually talk, so I <laughs> really figure out, like, where she was getting that from. So it just uh, always kind of intrigued me, and she used to say that quite a bit. So probably having visions or, or connection with spirit, yeah? Yeah. And and Bob, do you find that often that children have visions of spirit in your work? Did they you find do. that? You know, they do. You know, I mean, a couple of things come to mind there. You know, either she's having visions of spirit and kids just seem to be able to do it much better than adults. You know, mm-hmm. some people think it's because they haven't been away from the spirit world very long. It's very true. Others, <laughs> others think that it's just because they haven't learned skepticism from the adults. And uh, eventually we do. Um, if we live, say, within a family or a community that, that has that kind of skepticism, they sort of talk us out of it, and we learn to push those visions aside. The other possibility is that she had a lifetime where something happened where she wasn't safe and something happened, and she's having past memories 
of that past life. You know, she's had memories of that past life, and that's that's very common as well. So, is. you know, again, mm-hmm. usually these things always tend to go away over time, but it's great. It's just wonderful if you have a have a conversation with with them to ask mm-hmm. them more questions about it, and you and then you can reassure them, um, you know, of those any fear that she might be having. Um, mm-hmm. But I would look at it both sides. Is she seeing people in spirit that it maybe is making her feel a little uneasy, or um, is it maybe a past life memory and something bad happened to her in a past life that she's still remembering? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. And the other thing I just want to bring up is um, with all the reality TV shows, I wish somebody would come up with a with a show that uh, about past life regression and actually doing like regressions on TV. They, it would be one. great. Is there, there is one, one, Bob? Actually, right now, yeah, there's one right now. I, uh, what's it called? I know what you're going to say. It's the one about the children, right? No, it's it's. No. I think it's called regression past lives oh. or something. It's actually they actually show people having a past life regression. Then the mm-hmm. guy goes and it's on um, it's on Lifetime Family. Uh, it's on Lifetime. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just Google regression TV. You'll find. I'm sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so the, he gives a regression, and then he researches the information he got, and then they got back. They get back together, and he shows them like birth oh, certificates or pictures or maps or whatever. In oh, relation right. to what they got. It's a good show. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Cindy. We're going to give you a book, so hang on the line, okay? Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. And, Bob, look, I'm just going to open your book to any page and see what question you have here. Okay. Oh, this is a very interesting one. All right. You have, have here, what happens to soldiers who kill others in war? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's an amazing, one. it's an amazing question. I actually was almost done with the book, and I got this question in by email from somebody, and I thought, oh, that, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't answer that one. So mm. I, I added that to the book. You know, being a soldier is a very unique experience. And, and again, to me, it's all about, you know, our souls choose to have a lifetime um, as, as a human in physical body for mm-hmm. a reason. And, you know, we're here to experience many different experiences. Well, having an experience as a soldier is a unique experience that you can't have really in any other way, and you certainly can't have that in the spirit world. So um, to me, you know, there's a lot of reasons why soldiers kill, um, and and some are being ordered to be killed. Uh, some kill out of fear of being killed by the other person. Um, mm-hmm. Some, you know, unfortunately, you know, kill innocent people, we'll say, uh, because they're overwhelmed and stressed out and they're not mm-hmm. thinking rationally because of the pressures of war. There's mm-hmm. lots of different reasons. But to me, I, I kind of associate the, this experience um, with the experience that someone might have if they accidentally killed somebody by accident. We'll say, you know, I had, I had a, a nephew who died when he was five years old and he was hit by a car. And, you know, t- t- so, and the reason is there's not as much culpability as if someone you know, thought about murdering someone because they wanted to steal their money and mm-hmm. then went and killed that person. It's just a different experience when you're doing it in wartime. So I, I remember, think what happens is the yeah. person who passes, who was that soldier who killed someone in war, is mm-hmm. going to see it from that perspective, and they're going to recognize that there were reasons that they did it, and they, were, and they, they came into this lifetime knowing that they probably would end up in this situation. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people who were soldiers, they had, you know, fathers and grandfathers or, you know, other relatives who were in war. And that that's all happens for a reason, to sort of lead us in a direction. But well, I think what happens with those 
soldiers is that you know they can be much more forgiving and and that's part of part of the experience is learning to forgive themselves for any lives that they took um but it it's uh it you know it it's it, it's most people always get there and 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 of course they have spirits around them who are helping them to get there well, well I've had a lot of spirit come through who were uh, soldiers have come through to me and I've had different experiences but one was I came back to go into war to do this and as an honor to my country and they were in that space you know and yeah. um and 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 they said if I had come back again I would probably do the same thing again because that's what I know that's what I my soul knows to what to do at the level that they're at that's what they feel you have to do and then about other people come through, other soldiers would come through and say, I, I've learned that I shouldn't do that this time. But I know when I, when I was, this will go back to past life regression, when I was regressed once, um, I just asked the question, why am I a medium and why am I internationally known and why, you know, do millions of people know me? Why is that? And why did I choose that to be a medium, to be on the front line here? And it really it was interesting because I saw a vision of myself with my mustache. And this, what I was, I was a general in all these different wars. And my face remained the same, but all the uniforms changed. And I realized in every single war that I was responsible for telling my men when to go in and kill people. Yeah. And, and that, I of course, responsible for many, many lives that passed. And then I came back in this lifetime to heal millions of people's lives about death. That's so right. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me, James, because that's kind of what we're doing. Now, it, the way I always would explain it is it's the same, the same thing, but I would say it a, a little differently in that, yeah, you wanted to experience both sides of that situation. So in mm -hmm. one side, you're a general, you know, telling people to kill. In another, you're a medium um, helping people who have dealt with those losses. And so right. you're experiencing uh, death and killing from different sides um, so that eventually we experience from all different sides. Like I, if you want to use, you know, like murder as an example, in one life one could be a murderer in another life, they could be the person who was murdered. Right. In another life, they could be a family member of someone who was a murderer. In another one, they could be a family member of someone who was murdered. We experience... Learning like murder, all the different aspects of it. All different aspects, so that we come to have compassion and love and understanding understand. um, uh, more as a whole, more as sure. a whole world. That makes sense. Yeah. We have line two. We have Martha's calling in for you, Bob. Um, so we'll go to line two with Martha from Hi, Norwalk, Martha. Connecticut. Um, Malta is her name. Okay. Hello, darling. Hello. Mozi is it Mozita? What? How do you pronounce your name? Marita. Marita. Hi, Marita. Marita. How are you, Jason? So happy <laughs> you took my call. I met you in um, Richfield, Connecticut, and I was so so delightful by um, by you the, by the program. Oh, well, thank you, question, sweetheart. My question is that I um I have two love love one's dying recently. Uh, one was my mother four years ago, and um, the other one was my girlfriend a year ago. And um, how long it takes to reincarnate? And if it's afterlife, is it process to? Oh, good question. You, how, how that works? I mean, uh, I'm just kind of curious because my niece, uh, my sister swears that my niece is my mother. I don't know. but Okay, that's a good question, Marisa. Good uh, question. Bob, what do you think about that? How long does it take to reincarnate? Yeah, um, well, it's an interesting question because no, time doesn't exist in the spirit world, right? So, right. Um, I, I I make a, an explanation early in the book that uh, it takes some time, but I only I can only do it briefly here. That there's a difference between the soul and the spirit, and the soul is our whole self, our our, our higher self that always stays in the spirit world, and and part of that soul comes to experience a human life, and that's what we call our spirit. Okay, so the mm -hmm. spirit of Bob, me. 
when I pass, I will go into the, into the afterlife, and the spirit of Bob will always exist in the afterlife, that part of my soul that is Bob. It's part of your soul. Stay there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it won't, it's not Bob, the spirit of Bob, that is going to reincarnate. It's actually my soul that is going to have another lifetime. And it might have a lifetime the, as George. And, and so that, now if I were to have a past life regression, I could perhaps, we'll say George, if he came after me, you know, again, it doesn't matter in the spirit world, but if, right. for our chrono- chronological linear time thinking, we, we go, George has a past life regression. He might experience in his, my lifetime. He might go back and have a past life as me, recognizing. But it's his soul. It's the soul that's having all these different lifetimes. So what can happen is uh, we can reincarnate. There's really no, there's no timetable to it. We can there's no time element per se. Mm-hmm. Very quickly um, from one life to the next because, uh, because our spirit is, is, is not what's reincarnated. It's our soul that's reincarnating. And, but this also explains why um, Marita can, yeah. when she passes, her mother will always be there for her. Her mother is not going to go into another lifetime and then not be there when Marita passes because her mother will still be there as that, as that, that spirit that is going to remain in the spirit world as her mother. As but part of that soul family. They're all the same the soul. soul yeah. And then the soul, her soul, her mother's soul can reincarnate but her mother will always be there for her. And a lot of times people ask that question because they're worried their loved ones won't be there for them when they cross over. And there are aspects of the soul that can come back earlier, too. So there might be some recognition in another family member, a newborn, even uh, animals, too. They say, oh, that's my mother's a cat. There are aspects yeah. of that soul. Don't you think, Bob, that they can just come into the incarnation? Totally, totally. And the great thing, if we understand everything's happening at the same time, now that's a weird thing to think as human yeah. beings, but they say everything's happening at the same time. So it really, this sort of timetable thing doesn't really matter to the soul because it's all happening at the same time. So, Maritza, I hope that answers your question. We have a lot more calls. Stay on the line, Maritza. Okay, oh, yeah. sweetheart, we'll give you, you a book. I love it. Thank you so Love you, Thanks, honey. Marisa. See you soon. Okay, we have line eight, and we have, um, I think it's Elite. Oh, wow, from Arizona. Hello there. Hi. Hi. How do you pronounce your name? It's Elite. Let me just quickly say I know you want to answer my question, but thank you to both of you guys for all the work that you do. Oh, thanks, Elite. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Elite. Thanks so much. So my question was, uh, I'm going to try to simplify it. Um, here in the physical world, let's say we're here and there are 10, a number from 1 to 10 elevation. Okay, I'm really, I'm really simplifying it, obviously. Right, right. right. Um, and when we die... Let's say we got to three, to number three. When we die, are we at number three? And is there an opportunity to continue to learn? And, you know, I'm looking for a straight answer. You don't have to sugarcoat anything. The reason I'm asking is someone passed in my life, and I've been to mediums, and it seems like they haven't been growing, and that's not a judgment. It's almost like all their responses are from, like, you know, 20 years ago. Okay, good question. Um, Very good question. Let's see what Bob says. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people talk about these levels in the spirit world. And one question by saying, you know, um, yes, in the spirit world, we continue to grow. And, and, and it's kind of a funny question. I mean, I think Elite will laugh at it, too, because it's kind of like saying, you know, do we grow spiritually in the spirit world? Is like saying, you know, do we grow physically when we go to the gym? You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, that's 
that's where we grow uh, even even more here because we we have eternal lives. Our we our lives are eternal in the spirit world, but we come and have a human lifetime because it's that sort of uh, you know no pain no gain. We grow very quickly as uh, spiritually when we have a human lifetime, and I think that's why we grow so quicker keep, here. Mm-hmm. Keep doing it. Um, as far as uh, worrying about whether someone's going to grow, first of all, it doesn't matter. When you're in the spirit world, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it's it's not about that. It's not nobody's judging one another, and I I can tell that you get that elite. Um, nobody's judging one another as to what level or where they're at in their spiritual growth. Um, but yeah, well, no matter no, what, we always personally, will grow. Bob. What's that? Per- personally, it's just it's a pleasure to be in this physical world and grow. And so I'm mm-hmm. just wondering if that happens in the spirit world as well. It does. Yeah, it does. Very much and, so. And, you can grow over there. Mm-hmm. You can grow over there. And, you know, I mean, I had a, a life between lives regression where I went and, and, and learned that, you know, one of the things I do in the spirit world is teach about fear because we mm-hmm. don't know fear uh, there, you know. And so I'm, I'm growing because I'm teaching about fear, and then the people who are learning about fear from me are growing because of what they're learning. And, and we, can, we can grow, we can learn things there in a much better way than we can learn here. Like someone can basically hop into my energy and experience what I learned about fear, you know, uh, there. I, we certainly can't do that here, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Wish, wish we could. Thank <laughs> right. you, Lee. That would be neat. <laughs> well, thank yeah, you, would, sweetheart. Right? Appreciate yeah. the call. It's so a great much. call, Lee. Get, thank leave you your... both so much. Yeah, okay, sweetheart. Stand in line. We'll give you a book. <laughs> okay, great. Hello? <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, good. Well, good. Very good. Very, very good. Um, some people are asking a question about um, what is the process? Like, uh, you know, when they, and, and I've been asked this too, Bob, what, what is the process of when a soul leaves the body at the time of death? Is it easier for some souls or harder for some souls? What do you think from your research? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I do think, um, yeah, I don't know if I'd say easy or hard, but uh, it, it's a natural process for all of us, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done it so many times, and right. because we've had so many other lifetimes, so we've done it so many times. It's more of a remembering type of thing. But you know, it depends on how much you know about the afterlife. One of the reasons that I'm I do what I do, and I get so passionate when I talk about it, is because mm-hmm. you know it's about waking up to to the process, so that when you cross over, you you know maybe it won't be a shock to you. Now I know people who are atheists um, who have had near death experiences, and they still weren't shocked. You know, and I mean, it was okay. They were like, oh, yeah, yeah. But there are others who sort of, you know, got a little bit more stuck in their beliefs, and so they did feel like, oh, wow, I was, <laughs> I was wrong. And they didn't really know how to navigate. They had to kind of feel their way and remember how to navigate the spirit world again, recognizing that, you know, like all we have to do is think about what we want and we're there, you know. Right, it's that's all memory, of course. It's yeah. all memory comes back. And do you find yeah. a lot of people, what, do you find a lot of people when they pass to the other side, they live the, the mental images that, or belief systems that they have as far as religions or what they think that will greet them when they pass over, or is everything completely free of that? No, I think, I mean, I, what I've recognized, and certainly with people who've had near-death experiences, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, they had a hellish experience, a negative near-death experience. And I, and I having researched a lot of them, um, my belief on it is that um, it was because of their beliefs that they were going to hell, and they mm. experienced what they expected to get. Now that would have changed. The, it, that would have changed with time. The moment they changed their frame of mind, or even if they called out for help, calling out for help is like 
thinking of another alternative, right? It's acknowledging. So I, yeah, it's acknowledging. I, yeah, if I call for help, there might be help. As soon as you change your, your mind in that way, that's a new belief, and that changes your surroundings. So over time, nobody is ever stuck in that place. It's just a matter of if you do get what you believe and we get what we expect in the initial stages of crossing over. And, you know, for, and so a lot of people, they, they think, you know, they experience maybe the same thing that we experience in the physical life here because that's all we know and that's what mm-hmm. we're expecting there. Mm-hmm. Then we eventually learn, oh, we're beings of light. And you know, and, and the light that we're that is surrounding us is you know what you might call God or the universe or source. And so then you kind of remember it all, and it all comes back to you. Yeah. And another question here we have from Robin Line too. I'm just going to go because uh, we have only five minutes. But I want to ask you, yes, about lucid dreaming. And and what do you think, Bob, from your research? What is dreaming? You know, you know I think it can be two things. I think one, it could just be the brain working on our fears and our thoughts and working out problems. And then on the other side. I think it's our subconscious mind connecting with uh, the spiritual realm. And I think that in some ways we're experiencing other lifetimes that are going on at mm-hmm. the, the exact mm-hmm. same moment. And I think sometimes we're just, which is another way of saying we're experiencing past lives or even mm-hmm. future lives. And, and sometimes we're just getting information from loved ones in spirit. I mean, and do, do you find that a lot of people have connections within the dream state that they meet their loved ones in the spirit world or they go to the other side and, yeah. Have connections with them because I, I have found it in my work. I don't know if you found it in yours. I have. Yeah, very common. Yes, very, com- very common that our loved ones meet us there because it's so easy for them to do it. And it's called a dream visitation, and it's yeah. that dream that's so clear and vivid you remember it like it happened yesterday, even if it was twenty, thirty years later. And why do some spirits come through with electricity really well? Others come through with smells. Others come through in other ways. What What's the differential? Why Why do they come through? Some come through with electricity. Come through with songs, others come through with butterflies. What do you find in your research? What do they come through in different ways? Uh, I feel it, it all has to do with what's going to resonate with me the most, you know. Um, like, I'm not, I can't remember my dreams at all. Like, I'm not a, a big dreamer, and maybe it's because of the way I sleep. Maybe I don't sleep very well. well no, I'm just saying, like, just generally speaking, like, when the spirits come through with signs for somebody, like, let's say, like, you, yeah. your father had the radio thing went crazy, and some people yeah. have flashing lights, and some people their computers go crazy. And yeah. that's one spirit or two spirits doing that, but then another spirit won't be able to do that, but they're able to come through with smells or, you know, perfume smells, tobacco oh, smells. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Why do, mean, what's the distinction like, between them? Why do they, some come through with electricity and others come through with smells? Well, I think it, just like all of us, you know, we have certain skills that when we're here on the physical plane, we're in the spiritual plane, we have certain abilities, you know, that are better than others. And so right. some might be able to do that. But regardless, uh, it also might have to do with who you're trying to communicate with. So the smell, or in my case, the radio, might wake me up, whereas, you know, some other sign that my father might have sent me, I just didn't even notice it. So I think it can be a combination of their skills and what might uh, attract our attention. Very good. <laughs> Very good. You answered that perfectly, Bob. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> Thank you, James. Great. I love it's that. That's great. That's great. What's in the next uh, lineup for you, for your future? What do you want to do next? And I know you have all these websites, and you're really bringing a lot of light to the planet and introducing people to mediumship and, and, and life after death. What's your next plan You know, I, in this I lifetime? Wanted, I, I want to do a lot more Afterlife TV shows. Uh, you know, you, they can find that on AfterlifeTV.com. Yeah, they're fabulous. Uh, they're wonderful. I want to do yeah. more of that. I'm finding that uh, my investigation continues because there's always something new. So I don't get bored at all. There's always something new. 
I just heard the other day about a new way that people are getting in contact with their loved ones in spirit um, through a process sort of related to EMDR. And it's a little EMDR tweaked a little bit. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to interview the person who sort of stumbled upon it. And what is the EMDR, Bob? What is EMDR? EMDR is uh, where you you think of, uh, they work with people who have uh, PTSD, for instance, any kind of trauma. Uh, and I you see. think of that while um, someone is almost waving their finger or waving a stick so that your eyes are going back and forth very rapidly, and it mimics in the brain uh, REM sleep. And, mm. uh, and some people, the trauma, uh, that shuts that part of the brain down uh, mm. so that they're not able to work through trauma that has occurred in their brain. And this helps them to light that part of the brain back up and work through that trauma. And what's happened mm. is there's a guy named Dr. Botkin who he recognized that just at the end, if he did a little, a couple extras of these things at the end, um, these rapid eye movement things, the people close their eyes and all of a sudden loved ones would appear. From oh, the I just, I've heard about this. I've just heard about it like two weeks ago. Yes, yes, yes. Isn't yes, it yes. fascinating? So it's fascinating. Another new, yep, another new way in. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So I'm well, never going to stop doing what I'm doing. Uh, well, Bob, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Answers About the Afterlife is the book. Bob Olson and BobOlson.com. If you want to go check out more, Bob, you should. Bob is an incredible teacher, uh, investigator, and uh, comes from integrity and really knows his stuff. So, Bob, thank, thank you. you. Anything so else you want to let people know? No, you know, just I, I, it was so I, I'm so honored to be here, and it was so enjoyable to be with you. And I'm happy to call you a friend, James. And just uh, thank, thank you, Bob. Thanks so much. Oh, you're very welcome. So everyone, please go to Amazon if you want to get Bob's book and we'll bring the numbers. Uh, I'll get those numbers going. And um, I just want everyone to know um, I'm going to be at the I Can Do It conference in Vancouver. And that's next weekend. Looking forward to seeing everybody there who can make it there. And uh, I'm doing a cruise to Alaska and with Mavis Batilla. She's uh, a lady that was in Harry Potter. Maggie Smith played her in Harry Potter. So we're going to be doing readings on that cruise also if you're interested. So please go to my website, www.vampirog.com. And until then... May the love and light of the spirit world surround you always. Thank you. That's all for another fantastic Afterlife TV episode. Bob couldn't be happier. If you enjoyed this episode as much as Bob, please leave a comment on AfterlifeTV.com, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. And don't forget to check out Bob's book, Answers About the Afterlife. Thanks for watching Afterlife TV.